Hey guys, this is Bitches Don't Brunch. I'm Liz. And I'm Montana. Okay guys, so today we are going to be talking about mental health, but we did want to get some recommendations out of the way in case you guys need any shows or books um montana you want to come at us with the recommendation you were just telling me about oh right now i think a lot of people are watching Dahmer, and i'm one of those people i love true crime stuff but at the same time it absolutely terrifies me and disturbs me well what's interesting is they go into like gacy a little bit and i'm and then i guess on netflix Mm -hmm. they have like the gacy tapes so now i'm like well after Dahmer, i feel like i need to watch those tapes you can just like tell me about it and I will listen to you rather than watch the show and be really fucked up forever. <laughs> well, I tried the Bundy, um, yeah. the Bundy, but to me it was boring. Really? I thought it was boring. And one, they talk about, oh, he's such a good looking man. He was so charming. That's mm. how he got away with like all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, the guy has a fucking unibrow. Mm. He's not, he was not an attractive man. Okay, so there was this Facebook video I was watching, and this guy went up to, like, a bunch of random people, and he was like, who out of these two people would you trust more? And I think one was, like, Duck Dynasty dude, and the other one was Ted Bundy. And um, everyone was like, oh, and they picked, like, Ted Bundy. They're like, he looks so, like, clean cut. Like, he looks like a nice guy. They didn't know it was, like, Ted Bundy. And then, like, there was this um, Muslim man, and then I think it might have been Dahmer. I'm not sure. But he was like, which of these ones do you trust? And they, like, all chose, like, Dahmer. Dahmer. And they're like, yeah, he just looks like a a nice guy. The other one kind of scares me a little bit. And he's like, yeah, you just chose serial killers. (laughs) So... But it was interesting. It's definitely interesting about like society and conventions and people's expectations. And it, it kind of made me sad too because I was like, oh, fuck, our society kind of sucks. But luckily there were some people at the end that were like, dude, no, like I'd so much rather have these two people. And then they're like, wait, aren't the other ones serial killers? And he's like, yes. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. So maybe I will watch Dahmer with you eventually. I think it's – I they think it's fascinating First off, if mm-hmm. you are into serial killers, I know a lot of people are. They love the true crime and stuff. And Absolutely. yes, I definitely recommend it. And just how, like, he does a very good job portraying Dahmer. Mm. Okay. Like, he gets into the role well. You can tell me about it on the podcast because I don't think I want to watch it. <laughs> it's it's dark. Yeah. Um, but I think it upset a lot of the, uh, actual victims because they said it was like, they just keep reliving it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that they said they weren't like approached about it. They were going to make the movie and tell them, but they didn't like tell them anything. That's not cool. No, that's not cool. And they, they wanted to portray to feel sorry for the victims and they had to walk a fine line. So you wouldn't feel sorry for Dahmer, but feel sorry for the victims. But they still didn't go and tell the families that this was happening. That's not cool, man. No. Okay. So on a lighter note. What do you recommend to watch? I have a recommendation. It's called, I'm sure everyone's already seen it, but I don't care because I just started. It's called The Summer I Turned Pretty. Is it a teenage drama? 
Yes. Do I love it anyway? Fuck yes, I do. I absolutely love it. I'm obsessed. I'm not done with it yet, but I live for teen dramas and I have no shame in that fact. (laughs) You watch the teen dramas and you're like in love with the dads. I am. I like it was We're at that age. It was so funny because like uh Belly's dad comes and like I'm like, ooh, hello, handsome fellow. And I'm like, yep. I mean, even when Twilight came out, I think I was like kind of into Charlie. You were because you're like, damn, I'm watching Twilight and Charlie. Charlie's hot. I see you, Charlie. Ooh, Charlie's hot. And with Riverdale. Oof. All the dads were well, Archie's dad wasn't super hot, but R.I.P. for sure. Um, but all the other dads, like Jughead's dad. Oh, for sure. And Hiram Lodge is like so beautiful. It's like not fair. So yeah, that's my recommendation. And then I do have a book recommendation. Um, it's called Layla by Colleen Hoover. And it's kind of perfect for spooky season because it does involve a ghost. And there's also like romance. So obviously I'm, I'm full in ghost and romance. <laughs> Sign me up. Is it a ghost love story? So I don't want to give too much away, but basically this guy meets this girl, Layla, at a wedding, and they fall in love pretty instantly, but then she gets shot, and uh, she lives, but it's, yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but yes, he does meet a ghost um, when they go back to like the place they first met. Um, and it's a very interesting story. All right. I finished it in like a day. I was like, I can't stop. So those are my regs. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I'm going to say is, guys, we have um, we have a demon update. I did talk about some demonic entities, um, had some shit happened. But you're going to have to stay tuned and listen to the whole episode. And we'll uh, talk about it at the end. (laughs) All right. Anything else on your end, Montana? I don't have any life updates. Me either. Okay. So we're going to get into it. Uh, Like I said, this is an episode about mental health. I'm going to go ahead and put a trigger warning right now. This episode contains mention of suicide attempts, suicidal ideation, substance and alcohol abuse, and mental health. Um, so if any of this is troubling or upsetting or triggering to you, I would suggest not listening to this episode because it can get a little dark at times. So I just wanted to give you guys the warning, um, up front. And I think we're going to start off with my story, right? Yeah. We'll start off with you. All right. Okay. So everyone, um, September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I know this is going to come out um, in October technically, but I honestly don't think we should ever relegate suicide prevention awareness to like a month. Amen. Yeah. I think that we need to have the conversation about mental health consistently and constantly until it's completely destigmatized. So anything, anyway... um, This is a cause. Um, This is something it's very near and dear to my heart as someone who has struggled with mental health health issues all my life. Um, I've watched my friends struggle with depression and anxiety, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, and I watched my father struggle with his undiagnosed bipolar disorder. 
And if you guys don't know, I am bipolar and I am a recovering alcoholic. So I kind of wanted to delve a little bit more into bipolar disorder because it is such a misunderstood disorder. I wanted to um, set some facts straight and like kind of teach you guys a little bit about it as someone that struggled with it in my entire life. So let's get into it. So what is bipolar disorder? Bipolar disorder, previously known as manic depression, is a disorder in which those affected have mood swings, um, usually from mania or hypomania to depression. People think of mania as this euphoric feeling where like nothing and no one can touch you, but it can manifest in other ways like irritability, um, delusions of grandeur, and hallucinations. Um, A couple years ago, I had a psychiatrist who was trying to switch up uh, my medication, and I've been on the same medication for a very long time, and she was kind of trying to switch all those up and change things around, and I experienced a hypomanic episode for the first time in a very long time, Um, and it literally felt like ants were crawling under my skin. Like, literally, I could feel them crawling under my skin. I couldn't sit still. My jaw was clenched so tight I almost broke a tooth. Um, Hypomania is similar, but it is less intense and lasts less long than uh, mania. However, it is just as serious as mania and should never be discounted. And depression is not just feeling sad. It is a feeling of deep sorrow and can be paired with anxiety, not sleeping well, either too much or not enough, uh, feelings of suicide, hopelessness, not finding pleasure in things you once loved, low self-esteem, appetite problems, etc., so for me, bipolar disorder, it, it was always intense. Like imagine summiting the cliffs of Mount Everest and then falling into the Mariana Trench. The highs are so high and the lows are so low. Um, not everyone experiences bipolar disorder this way, but this is how I felt it, how I feel it still actually, although to a much lesser extent because I am medicated. Um, But first, I'm going to dive into the history and facts about bipolar disorder. So in an article called The History of Bipolar Disorder by Angela Nelson, she states, quote, the earliest mentions of bipolar disorder in medical literature date back to Hippocrates, a physician in ancient Greece who's often referred to as the father of medicine. He was the first to document two extreme moods, feeling extremely low, what we now call depression, and feeling extremely energized or excited, mania. Hippocrates described the state of extreme sadness as melancholia, melis meaning black and kol mean bile, so the terms means black bile. Mania, on the other hand, was thought to be caused by too much yellow bile, end quote. It wasn't until 1850 that a psychiatrist named Jean-Pierre Fallet, and excuse me if I pronounced that wrong, I'm not good at anything. Um, Just kidding. Um, But he put the two symptoms of mania and depression together into one disorder rather than separate afflictions. In the same article, Nelson states, today, bipolar disorder is broken down into four types. There's bipolar one, having one or more episode of mania lasting for at least seven days, a depressive episode may or may not occur. Bipolar two, Having depressive episodes alternating with somewhat manic episodes, but not full manic episodes. Um, There's cyclothymic disorder. Thymic disorder. Uh, I should have looked up how to spell 
can't pronounce that. Anyway, um, it is switching between depressive and manic states for at least two years with periods of normal mood lasting less than eight weeks. And then there is unspecified bipolar disorder. When a person does not meet any of the above descriptions, but has had significant mood elevation, um, end quote. An article by Catherine Pont on NAMI.org addressed concerns over bipolar depression and suicide rates. She states that 19% of those suffering from bipolar disorder die by suicide, and up to 50% will make a non-fatal suicide attempt. I want to include this quote from her because I think it sums it up so well. She says, it's the mania that gets you into trouble, but it's the depression that can kill you. And I could not agree more. There's also, of course, a sad fact that many people with mental health issues turn to drugs and alcohol to self-medicate. I myself did this. Um, as soon as I discovered pot and alcohol, I was sold. Pot mellowed me out, helped me sleep, and alcohol made me more, quote, fun, end quote, I was not more fun when I was feeling depressed and introverted, but this self medication never works well, never. And we will get to that later too. Having outlined a little bit about this disorder, I'm going to tell you my own experiences with it. So I was always a sensitive child and little things could send me spiraling into a dark hole. It got really bad in middle school to the point where I began going to counseling and I was diagnosed with chronic depression, but they never took into account those times when I felt like I was on top of the world. I believe they thought it's just hormones. All teenagers are like this. And I thought it was somewhat normal too, as my dad experienced similar mood swings and some of my outcast friends were certainly emotional. However, as I got older, it got worse. The depressions, what I started terming the darkness, got worse and worse and worse. My depressions were always the worst part. I liked the mania, although no one else around me did. My best friend, Laura, brought up a time many years ago that is apparently a core memory that I cannot even clearly remember. <clears throat> I was tearing apart the entire house looking for this particular notebook to show Laura and I was frantic, almost possessed. <laughs> um, and if you have ever seen the movie Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, it's kind of like that. Um, there is a scene in the movie where Bradley Cooper gets this idea in his head that he needs to find his wedding tape, his his wedding video. And I think it's like two or three in the morning and he's tearing apart the entire house, getting more and more and more frantic. And he needs this video right now. And where is it? And he ends up waking up the entire house his parents are like, what is going on? And he is just absolutely just possessed almost like, I mean, he's manic and that's how it is in a manic phase. And, and honestly, Bradley Cooper's portrayal of someone with bipolar disorder in that movie is so much like how I, I feel with bipolar disorder. 
I feel like everything he did I related to and that movie that particular scene hit so close to home with me um and when Laura brought it up I could not even remember it I could not even remember it and that's because that was just typical for me and uh yeah that's that's how bipolar goes honestly at least that's my experience with it I only remembered the nights where I would write dozens of pages without sleeping and how I felt so amazing and so accomplished but that's not what the people around me remember from those days My mom and my dad used to always talk about this time when I came home really drunk and I was babbling nonsense about a prophecy and how I was going to disappear because I was the chosen one. I was in a severe manic episode and they thought about hospitalizing me, but they were very afraid of how it would affect my future. And they thought that they could help me without taking that step. I'm actually really grateful for that because I personally don't think hospitalization would have helped me, but I know how much it has helped and will help others who do need that step. Um, But the high has never lasted long enough for me. And then the depression set in again and the alcohol didn't help. Um, So I went up and down again and again and again. It was exhausting and I didn't understand what it was. I suspected it was bipolar disorder, but no one, no one listened. Until finally, one day, I was diagnosed by a wonderful woman named Dr. Jamil. She diagnosed me within the first meeting, told me I was bipolar one, and put me on medication. I was so grateful to her for that diagnosis because I had felt crazy for so long, and I'd felt like no one was listening to me. And I was grateful for the medication too, but it did not stop my habit of drinking and smoking too much. Even when she told me that what I was doing by drinking and taking these medications, she was telling myself, she was telling me I was literally killing myself that I could go to sleep and not wake up. I just, I I just didn't care. I was at a really, really dark time in my life. Um, And I didn't care. One night, I decided to take my own life. And I just want to say this now to anyone and everyone. Please be kind about suicidal ideation, suicidal attempts. These people are not selfish. They do not see a way out. I did not see a way out. It gets to the point where you feel like you're making everyone's life hell. And the only way out is to take your own life. Perhaps then the pain will go away. I cannot even begin to describe the hellscape of that kind of bipolar depression. It's like you can't see a fucking light in your life. Like you're living in this dark pit. There's no light. No handholds to crawl out. No one calling encouragement. Just you and the dark and the pain. And it's even worse because... You were just on the top of the world like a few moments ago, and now you are in this pit. But you can't imagine that you'll ever get to that top of the world feeling again, right? Because nothing could ever get better when you're this low. 
you're, you're just lost. You go over every wrong thing you've ever done. You can't even bring to mind your own accomplishments. You only hurt yourself and others, right? So what's the point of it all? Why even try? Why not just give in and let go? It would be easier than this. It would be easier for everyone. It's not true. It's never true. Life is worth living. Life is hard and sad and painful, but it is also amazing and beautiful and kind. There are always people who love you. They may not be your blood family. I'm so glad every day that my family and friends are amazing. I know not everyone is that lucky, but if it's not your family, it's a teacher or a friend or an animal or a spiritual guide like a priest or a guru. I mean, sometimes the only thing that would get me up some days was knowing that I had a dog to walk and take care of, but someone cares. You may not know it, but someone cares. And I hope that when you get out of that darkness, you see that. And you have accomplished thing. Your life matters and you matter. So please don't cut it short. And I love you. Anyone that is listening to this, I love you. I love you too. (laughs) I won't go into detail about that night or the pain. I will just say it's very triggering. Um, I remember my mom and dad crying, um, me crying. My friend Julie had alerted them to the fact that I was acting weird. I felt like such a failure. I, My dad had just gone through cancer, and here I was trying to kill myself. It was kind of a fucking mess. But honestly, at the time, I just I thought it was going to be the best thing for everyone. So... Like I said, not going to go into detail. It was one of the worst nights of my life, uh, preceded only by my dad passing away. Um, Those two moments were probably the worst moments in my life. Um, Anyway, that was the last night I drank. My psychiatrist, Dr. Jamil, and my family helped me pull it together bit by bit and get sober. I started taking my medicine correctly and working on my healing for real this time. I realized that all the self-medicating with drugs and alcohol had just been making it worse and making it harder. It's been a rough journey with a lot of bumps in the road, and it's not always easy or fun. Sometimes I go into that darkness again, and there's that thought that I'll never get out and that I'll never feel the light or feel happiness again. But but I can remind myself that this time I know there will be light at the end of the tunnel and there will be a hand to hold and I will climb out of that pit eventually, even though it doesn't feel like I will. And I have family and friends that are always there helping me and always there guiding me. Uh, taking my medicine consistently has helped for many years too. It's kept me very stable and very sane Um, I need the medicine the same way other people need blood pressure medication. keeps me healthy and makes me the best version of myself along with uh, talk therapy. Um, And I want to make a note here that (sighs) please, please, please don't, don't tell someone with bipolar disorder, 
or depression or anxiety or borderline or schizophrenia or fucking any of these things that they will just be better if they get some fucking sunshine or if they take a walk and get outside if they, you know, exercise and get some endorphins, if they drink enough water, if they take the right supplements, that's bullshit. These are fucking mental health conditions and they need help. This is not a down day. This is to the point where you're thinking about taking your own life or when you're so anxious that you can't even get in the car and drive or when you're having auditory hallucinations and you're wondering if you're freaking crazy, like this isn't something you can cure with like a freaking vitamin or like essential oils. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in that stuff because I absolutely love supplements, fresh air, exercise, endorphins, and all these things. I think they help a lot with these disorders, but this isn't a freaking sad day. This isn't a a day when you're feeling a little irritable or a little like, you know, nervous. Like this is like actual disorders and they need actual medication to balance these chemical differences in our brain. So please don't come to anyone telling them that they shouldn't be taking medication. Don't ever say that. If I have someone ever say that to me, you can be damn sure I will go on a freaking spiel about bipolar disorder and how shit my life was before I got on medication. So don't ever come over here talking about you don't need medication. Don't ever do that. Cannot count the number of times I have seen this shit on social media and it pisses me off. Does gut health help? Sure. Does all these things help? Yeah, but I have an actual disorder and I actually need medication to be stable. So don't come at me with that shit. And the thing that I don't think uh, I've mentioned a ton is like after I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I got sober. I started taking control of my life. Like I started like losing weight and like actually like not isolating. And I started repairing friendships that I had ruined when I was, I don't know, drunk or manic or depressed. You know, I, I started repairing these things and I am ever so freaking grateful for the people in my life that stuck with me through those times because they were really hard and I did not always deserve the friendships that I had and the family that I had. Um, I did a lot of shit things to my friends back then and I'm sorry that I ever made you sad, that I ever made you hurt. I was not the woman that I am now, but I'm grateful that you're still around. Anyway, um, so bipolar disorder, a lot of the times is genetic. And my dad knew that his dad was bipolar disorder, but he had not yet been diagnosed. And it took me being like, dad, you and I are the same. We are so similar and we have this darkness in us. And I've watched you go through mood swings. I've watched you reach this pinnacle of mania and then come down to this deep depression. I've watched you struggle with the paranoia the same way I struggle with paranoia. I was like, dad, you're definitely bipolar. And it took a long time for him to actually like admit this to himself. I think because it was very triggering to him because, you know, his dad had 
done a lot of really awful things in his manic episodes. And I think that would probably be a scary thing to admit that you had a similar disorder. It's hard, I think, for some people to admit that they need help. I think especially like with older generations, like I'm going to say probably Gen X and older, it's kind of like they were told like, toughen up. You know, you're just being a baby. You're just weak. You know, you're fine. Be a man or, you know, hide it all in. If you're a woman, like you have a family to take care of. You have shit you need to get done. You don't have time to fall apart. You don't have time to be depressed. What's wrong with you? And that's not the kind of attitude we need to have. There are people out there who are probably my, well, my dad passed away, but they would be his age now that probably don't even know what's wrong with them because they've, they've never had someone take them by the hand and tell them, Hey, I'm here. I support you. But I think that you need help. I think that you need medication and therapy. And I think that that will help so much. And I'm lucky that my dad was willing to listen. Um, he definitely got a little bit more stable for a while. Um, I'm not going to go into all that right now because um, he had a really tough life. And especially the last few years were really hard. But um, I do think that he was able to gain a little bit of peace knowing like my daughter understands and my family understands and I'm not crazy. And, you know, I'm not my dad. I'm my own person. And we all make mistakes. We all need help. We all need a a hand to hold. Um, And so I hope that if this resonates with you at all, I really highly, highly, highly suggest that you talk to someone because honestly, the medication for me is night and day difference. I have a chemical deficiency in my brain. It's not producing enough dopamine and sometimes produces too much. And uh, I need uh, my mood stabilizer and my um, antidepressant. And I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't hard because it took years years and years and years to find the right medication combo. And it can be really tough at first. Um, Some medication will make you ill or very tired. And I won't lie to you because there were times when I wanted to just, and times in the beginning when I did, just stop taking all my medication. That's like very common with bipolar disorder. We think what we either think one, we're better and we don't need the medication anymore. We're fine, right? Everything's stable now. We're fine. We don't need any medication. And then we go off and then we hit a manic episode or a depressive episode. Or in my case, um, as you all know, or should know by now, I am a poet and I definitely love the passion and intensity of very strong feelings And there can be times when I crave that passion and intensity from my bipolar disorder until it actually happens, until I'm in a deep shame spiral, like curling into the fetal position and wondering when the pain will end. 
or like I was talking about with that manic episode a few years ago, hypomanic, honestly, when I was like, oh yes, this is the part of mania I forgot where I can't sit still, where I can't stop talking, where like I have to be moving at all times and I have all these thoughts and ideas and my head can't stop racing and I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I can't stop, I can't stop, I can't stop, I can't sleep. I cannot freaking shut my eyes and rest. So the cold, hard reality of the actuality of bipolar disorder is never what you think it's going to be when you're like in your stable, quiet life and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of miss the intensity of that. Sometimes this depression medication makes me feel a little numb. I kind of miss the highs and the lows. You think that until you get them again. (laughs) I mean, I'll probably struggle with that always, but the truth is I've been on meds for 10 years now and I've been sober for 11, almost 11. It'll be 11 on November 21st. Um, And I'm happy with that. And I am happy that this is the way that I chose to go. And I'm happy that I had such supportive friends and family and doctors that listened to me and helped me. And I'm grateful that I found my right medication combination, which if you're curious, I take Seroquel and I take Wellbutrin. That's the only medication combo that has ever worked for me. And I have tried a lot and I'm going to stay on these medications. And that does not make me a weak person. That does not make me less than anyone else that has a more neurotypical brain. That just means that I am aware of the things that I need, what I need to be a fuller, like more stable, grounded version of myself so that I can go into the world, that I can have good relationships, that I can keep a steady job. I was fired from four freaking jobs when I was, when I was undiagnosed bipolar because I would have days where I couldn't get out of bed. I would have days where I was in a manic episode and I just wanted to be with my boyfriend. I mean, there was a time when I was 19 and I went down to Florida to visit my then boyfriend um, and to celebrate my 19th birthday. And uh, I lost my plane ticket day of, I was supposed to fly back to Ohio, back to my job where I could have been promoted if I had stayed there long enough. But I lost my plane ticket and I was in a bit of a bit of a high, bit of a hypomanic episode. And I decided, hey, this is a sign from the freaking gods that I am meant to stay in Florida. Yes, that is actually what I thought. I didn't have a job. I didn't even have a freaking place to live. (laughs) Um, I ended up finding them, but those are that entire, I I was only there for another six months. Um, I spiraled so hard that time in my life. Um, I spiraled very far into alcohol. I ended up losing that boyfriend. Um, and yeah, I lost myself for a long time too. It's like a big gaping hole of my life that I can't fucking remember because I was so gone with the alcohol. I mean, I would wake up, I would go upstairs, I would take a, a SWAT 
off the gravity bong and then I would uh, drink a shot of Crown Royal, go to work, come home, drink a bottle of tequila with my friends pretty much every night. That was my life. And I, I probably would have died if I had stayed. And uh, I think the universe actually did intervene when I got a motorcycle burn and I got injured and I had to go home. But these are the kind of things that happen when you're undiagnosed. And these are the kind of things that happen when you aren't properly medicated. And these are the kind of things that happen when you don't have a good grounded support system around you. And I'm going to say again, that does not mean your blood family. If your family is toxic, I urge you to seek out other people that will be a good support system to you. You do not need to stay in any toxic situation if it is causing you more pain. I, however, was lucky that I had a very wonderful, beautiful, and amazing support system. Shout out to my mom and my sister and my friends, Laura and Julie, who were with me through it all back then. I was really lucky. And I'm lucky to be where I am now because it's been a really long time. And while I will probably always struggle with little highs and lows, they are nothing like how they used to be. And, um, I have a stable job. I've been there for a very long time. I started my own business and now I have a podcast with one of my favorite people in the world. Hey, hey, I'm still here. You're still here. She's just listening. Um, so anyways, guys, that's my story. I'm sorry. I got up on my soapbox about a few things, but this is something I feel very passionately about. And I just want to say again, like, if there are any listeners out there who are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please, 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 God, please tell someone, even if it's just me, even if you just need to message me, please email us at our email. We'll put it in the description, or you can reach out to me on our Instagram, bitches don't brunch podcast, or you can reach out to my personal Instagram at spellbell poet. If you need someone to talk to, I am here for you. Please, please do not suffer in silence. And I think that is where I will wrap up. And, uh, I just want to say you matter, your life matters. And I know that sometimes when you're in the dark, it feels like it will never get better, but oh my God, I promise you, I, I promise you, promise you it will. Um, so I am going to bow out and let Montana take over. Uh, this was an extremely emotional episode for me and I know I got pretty passionate about it, but these are things I think we need to talk about and destigmatize. So Montana. Well, I think that it's nice to hear you be really like open about it. It's hard. It is hard, but you're willing Mm -hmm. to put it out there and be that open. And that says a lot. I think that people need people like me to be open. I'm not saying I'm special, but I'm saying that people need to realize that they're not alone. And I think that the one upside of social media is that there's a lot more connections in that way. Like I follow a lot of counselors, psychiatrists, therapists, and I think there's like a lot of like, self-teaching going on and um, acknowledgement, which I think is important. But if my story helps someone diagnose themselves, like or not diagnose, but, but think, Hey, that sounds like me. Maybe I need to talk to a doctor. Then great. I did my freaking job. So yes, thank you for <laughs> letting me go on my rants. Well, and then I want to say, so your dad just had a birthday, right? Yeah. His birthday was um, Tuesday. Okay, well, let's, we'll dedicate this episode to him. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> he would have liked that. Yeah. 
Missy Daddy, I love you. If you're up there listening, then I did a lot of this for you, and I will always do it for you. I love you. So He's sorry. listening. This is a very, very emotional episode, guys. <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, before you cry. Yes, please. Don't let me cry. No, because if you cry, I'll cry. And I'll, I don't feel like crying tonight. So. Yeah, please. So I did more of anxiety and depression is what I am going to dive into um, because I think nowadays anxiety and depression are becoming more common and I think people are realizing it's like not fake Mm -hmm. but then you have people that are like just snap out of it like you said yeah I hate that it's all in your head you know which depression is both a brain disorder and it is state of mind Mm -hmm. Um, and actually depression affects over 18 million adults so that's one in 10 adults that are affected by depression in a given year. Depression is big in the workplace and it causes 490 million disability days. That's a lot of disability days just Mm -hmm. for depression and accounts for 23 billion in the last work days each year. And it takes an economic toll over 100 billion each year from US businesses. I know there are a lot of workplaces that do have like mental health days and I think every place should have like mental health days. I completely we don't have mental health days. No. No. I mean and like teachers do and I think that's important. I know some big companies do. Some teachers do. I don't think that every place still allows that, which I think is stupid. And honestly, guys, don't even get me started on a rant about this fucking capitalist society and our (laughs) politics. I will go on for like hours. But yes, it's stupid. We need to have more mental health days and we also need to have more understanding when people need to see a psychiatrist or their doctor or their therapist instead of going to work because they're in such a a dark place. So please, let's not be shits about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So those are little depression facts. Now I'm going to do a little anxiety facts. Um, Anxiety can be genetic. Usually anxiety and depression are linked. And this is really sad to say, Mm -hmm. but anxiety often begins in childhood and can start as young as the age of three. Mm -hmm. Like that is so sad. Well, I mean, the suicide rate is like getting younger and younger. Like little kids are killing themselves. I think a lot of it is because of social media as well. It is. Since social media keeps growing. It can be good and it can be so bad. And women are twice as likely uh, as men to develop anxiety disorder. And I'd be like, of course they are. Women are always more likely, I feel like. Overthinking always. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like that meme, like, I bet he's thinking about other girls. It's like something completely random. Yeah. Like, I wonder if my car will do this, if I do that or something. The one that made me laugh the other day was like, how did Gandalf get his staff back from Isengard? And I was like, solid Lord of the Ring reference. <laughs> I think my favorite one's like the Jeeper Creep, the Jeepers Creepers one. He was like, how does the monster get a, his own personalized... <laughs> license plate this license plate was like be eating you or something (laughs) something so random i'm like that is true how did he get his own license plate probably possess some motherfucking person with mind control that's what i would do yeah and the woman's over like he's probably thinking about all these women and cheating on me and we're overthinkers we are Mm -hmm. 
I think women's brains are also so active with all the things we have to get done. Like, you know, like being mm. a mom. And if you are a mom that works and stuff and you have like a million things on your mind, it makes sense. So fucking true. So. And think about when you're on a massage, isn't your mind just racing? Yeah, it's amazing where you start. And then it's amazing where you end up mm-hmm. because of where you started. Yep. Yeah. Solid. So um, anxiety does affect 6.8 million adults. Are three point one of the U.S. population, which that's that's pretty that's pretty big amount. Uh, depression and anxiety are more than just buzzwords that appear in regular communities. There are ways to identify some differences between the two conditions, and of course, it does vary from person to person. And I'm gonna touch on what you said earlier. Like typical signs of depression include feeling sad, hopeless, you have low energy, you lose interest in activities you once enjoyed, you're sleeping too much, you're sleeping too little, you feel anxious, restless, um, you experience changes in your appetite. Like I know for me, I don't eat when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. I eat too much when I'm sad. But that's common too. You either binge or you just don't eat at all. For me, I just don't have any appetite. I'd rather have that one. I'll have this cookie cake, sure. And additionally, people who are depressed, they may isolate themselves from loved ones and they're more likely to self-harm or experience suicidal thoughts as we touched upon that earlier. And with um, signs of anxiety, it can manifest in similar ways, but different ways as well. For example, someone who is anxious may have a lot of energy and be restless, or someone with depression may feel too lethargic and not have the energy to do anything. Mm-hmm. Some signs and symptoms of anxiety, again, feeling restless, wound up on edge, having difficulty concentrating, being irritable. Having headaches, muscle aches, stomach aches, or unexplained pains, difficulty controlling feelings of worry, um, having sleep problems as difficulty falling asleep or even staying asleep. Um, Like I said, they kind of go well with each other. Usually people that have anxiety later get diagnosed with depression. Mm -hmm. Especially if you can't control the anxiety. There are different levels of anxiety. Yeah, it can spiral you into a depression because you feel like you are out of control. And then having depression can give you anxiety because you have anxiety about having depression. It's just like a circle. It's a a vicious cycle. cycle. Things that cause depression, uh, genetic, having blood relatives who have depression, experiencing traumatic or stressful events such as physical or sexual abuse, death of a loved one, financial problems. Going through a major life change, even if it was planned, having a medical problem such as cancer, stroke, chronic pain, or using alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. And then things that cause anxiety. Um, basically, anxiety is a part of how you respond to the stress. So major life events, when making important decisions, trying something new going over and over past events and blaming yourself for things you have no control over. So there are things that do help manage anxiety and depression. Um, And first, I think the most important thing is to allow yourself to feel what you are feeling. Mm -hmm. So knowing that depression and anxiety 
results from underlining causes and triggers and not anything you did or didn't do. It can actually promote self-compassion instead of self-punishment. So like feel your feelings, guys. Another one is do something you do have control over. It doesn't have to be a major action. It can be something small like making your bed or taking a shower, unloading the dishwasher. These short tasks can help boost a sense of accomplishment. Something's really small. You can maintain a routine. Creating a schedule offers the opportunity to build space into your day for self-care techniques that can make a difference. Uh, For me, this one's a big one. Try to walk around the block. Physical activity can help naturally boost your mood by promoting the release of happy hormones in your brain. And I'm a walk person. Mm -hmm. I always feel better after a good walk. Me too. So I'm a true believer in that. You. Even if it's like a five-minute walk, just getting out there. Mm-hmm. I, I love walking. Absolutely. It's important to make time for rest and relaxation. Mm-hmm. Instead of fixating on the things you think you should be doing, you need to honor your needs by taking time for activities that soothe and relax you. And that could be watching a comforting movie or TV show, rereading a favorite book. We know what this is all about. You've reread so many books. So many books. I reread a book every night. Cuddling with a pet, spending time in nature, cooking or baking, listening to music or audiobooks. And then that's like, I'm a music person. Same. Music does help my anxiety a lot. So if put music on and I go on my walk, that like that's like one of my favorite anxiety yeah. reliefs. Just have to make sure the music doesn't make you more sad. <laughs> No, I try to like upbeat, yeah, happy exactly. music. And then you touched on this one, reach out to loved ones. Mm-hmm. So strong relationships can go a long way toward improving your outlook and emotional well-being. So simply knowing you have someone you trust in your life, it can often make you feel less alone. And therapy, many different types of therapy that can help with anxiety or depression. Um, they can offer more guidance with identifying symptoms and possible triggers. So maybe you can underline what causes it and they can dive into it. Uh, medications, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, mood stabilizers. It might not work for everyone, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a believer in medication. I definitely am. Right? So, my life, yeah. So bottom line, anxiety and depression can feel overwhelming, especially when you live with both conditions or you're not really sure exactly which condition you're dealing with, but you don't have to manage them alone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people walk around having depression, either denying that they have depression or they don't know Mm -hmm. that their symptoms have gotten bad where they are in a depression. And as Liz said, you are not alone because a lot of the population suffers from bipolar, depression, uh-huh. anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep. Paranoia. Mm-hmm. It's common and it looks normal. Like you don't know who's struggling and who's not. Yep. People cover it very well. So I think um, my... I never fell like into a deep depression, but um, in 2019, when I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, um, they had to be aggressive with it, so they took my thyroid. So now I have to be on medication, um, basically for the rest of my life. 
which sucks because it's medication I have to take because I don't have a thyroid. So if I don't take my medication, it's mm-hmm. not a – probably wouldn't make it. We'll just put it that way. So if I sit and think about that too long, it does it does mess with me. Like I have to take medication to be alive. I mean, the thing is like cancer is affecting so many people, but we're not talking about the mental health aspects of, you know, the, the repercussions of that, you know. No, and then when I was diagnosed with it, people would say all the time, well, at least if you're going to get cancer, at least it's thyroid cancer all the time. And I was like, that, no, that's not okay to say, Mm-mm. you know, and the fact that they don't think about the aftermath of the situation. Yeah, no, I know. I feel like people said that when my dad got throat cancer and it's like, <laughs> not okay. Also, cancer is cancer. Yeah, and also the whole like, if anyone ever says this to me again, I will literally hit you in the face. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not a violent person, but I will think about it. If you say to anyone with cancer, God has a plan or everything happens for a reason, I will hate you because that's bullshit. Same with if someone dies unexpectedly or just don't be a shit. Don't say stuff like that. It's not helpful. She's a witch. I'll put a spell on you. I do spells they're pretty powerful but yeah I, I mean like the thing with going through chemo and all like everything with that it can be very exhausting on your body but also your mental health so spider on me eh? it was like that's the one that's gonna freak out spider on me <laughs> that's the one that's gonna ah, freak out so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go over there we should keep that in <laughs> Keep this That's like, funny. guys, there's a spider growing <laughs> on my leg. Oh, oh my God. I don't know if it like, oh. I'm just trying to be friends. I don't do spiders. Oh. Listen, let me get a snake up in here and oh, then we'll no. talk. Snakes are huge. They're scary. Do you see where it went? Look, that was a huge spider just crawling on my leg. I don't blame her for freaking out. I would. I mean, it's unexpected. I would have freaked out too. So I have to. I'm gonna like sit with my legs crossed now, having a heart to heart moment. <laughs> the spider was like, "I'm gonna bring some levity to this situation and crawl on her." It's okay, Houdini. You're podcast famous now. You're welcome. That's all uh, I wanted. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> no. Let's talk about heart attacks. But I'm sure that you went through a very dark time with the diagnosis and then the treatment and then the medication. I mean, that's, it's a lot physically to deal with. And sometimes when your physical body suffers, your mental health suffers as well. Pretty typical, but also something I don't think anyone talks about. Like, I'm sure there are athletes um, when they're injured and then, you know, they can't do what they love or you know, make money or whatever the case may be, or they, or they miss like a, a big game or something like that. I'm sure their mental health suffers, but we're not talking about it enough. And then something with ca- like cancer, like that's just so life altering. For anyone going through cancer or has had cancer or like has just, they lost someone to cancer. Like, I just feel for you so hard. It's such a devastating like, I don't, it's just, it's so devastating. It's absolutely horrible. This cancer, absolutely. you have that cancer. It's like, you just go numb or it's just real. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably one of the 
been a dark moment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've come a long way since then, but it's like it takes a long time to find the right medication. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that has thyroid problems, like I feel for you so hard. Yeah. And it takes a lot for your doctors to listen. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women mainly, um, they're not listened to. Oh, no. Yeah, that's like a whole thing. Like doctors and people not listening to women. We were talking about this earlier. When I keep telling doctors I have a UTI and they're like, "Mm, maybe you do. And I'm like, I mean, I do. And they just don't listen. I'm like, okay, well, you could have saved money for me not having to take that test. But sure, sure. So yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Like before, I've got the proper medication. Um, I'd all like the crazy symptoms. Like so tired. Like I could sleep until like one in the afternoon and have to force myself to get up. Depression will make you exhausted and very lethargic. Mm -hmm. So like, what really? will send me down like a spiral if I think about it too hard and it's so stupid, but I'm going to like say it. So like every time people talk about like a zombie apocalypse or like a zombie show or a movie mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, if I, if I was in the zombie apocalypse, I would do this or I would do that. And I'm like, I would never survive a zombie apocalypse because they would no longer make the medication I would need. So it's like, I wouldn't survive because they ran out of medication. And it becomes this like depressing moment where I'm like, I wouldn't even have a chance. And then I get sad. And then it's like, so something like that is so stupid will like spiral me. I would find some way to save you. Um, but my ex-husband and I used to talk about that because he's type one diabetic and he'd always be like, what would happen if like there was something like a weird apocalypse and I couldn't get my insulin? And I'd be like, whoosh. Yeah, it's depressing because it's like you can't you don't even have a chance to try to survive because they don't they're not gonna make medications anymore. Listen. I'm sure they're not gonna make medications for a lot of people, so it's not just me. Yeah, I shudder to think what I would be like um in a zombie apocalypse. Uh but the mania might help. <laughs> Go out there with a gun, like, come at me, fuckers! <laughs> zombie brains for dinner. So, yeah, I got your back. I'll, like, rob some pharmacies for you if we're in a zombie apocalypse. I don't care. All right. Yeah, I got you. But I get it. Little things spiral me, too. Sorry, guys. I'm looking. uh, My hometown is being hit by the hurricane. So I'm, like, looking up what's going on right now. Hurricane Ian. But anyway, uh, little things spiral me, too. Like, sometimes if I'm dating someone and they say, like, I don't know, like one thing to me, it can send me into like a deep, like place, a pretty dark place. Or there was like a moment a few weeks ago when I hurt my friend's feelings accidentally. And I went into like a three day shame spiral and didn't talk to anyone for like a week. Uh, Mental health is a very fragile and beautiful thing. And it's something that we need to address and something that we need to keep talking about. And we will keep talking about it. I am never going to stop talking about it. I, I don't think you are either. I think we got a lot to say and we are going to keep saying it. Mental health is important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why I think every job place needs to have mental health days. I agree. I mean, of course, there's people that's going to take advantage yep. of it, but. Make it the norm. 
I think it should be a norm. I think that people really do need it, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate people ruin it for others yep. by taking advantage of it. But well, and sometimes you just need a freaking day off. Just have a freaking day off, even if you don't have like an actual depressive episode, but you're just feeling burnt out. Take the fucking day off. Let them have a day off. I now you know what I'm again not gonna get into capitalist society and. I, I can't, I, I will, I will, no, it's not good. But anyway, um, but I do agree that there needs to be like some, I don't know, there, there just needs to be like something for people who are struggling. Um, we need to have a little bit more empathy and compassion. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Mm-hmm. You guys, uh, if you are ever feeling like suicidal or like you're in a crisis, I highly encourage you to call the number 988. If you are in the United States, it will automatically transfer you to the suicide hotline and you'll be connected with a live person who can talk to you off that ledge, hopefully, um, or at least give you someone to chat with. Um, I believe that you can also text them. Also, If you are interested in supporting suicide prevention, um, I walk for the American American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That's AFSP. You can go to, I believe it is, I'm on supporting.afsp.org. And you can find out where the walks will be in your area. I do it every year for suicide prevention. And I had one more for you guys. Oh, here. There's actually um, an Instagram that I also follow. They are Stand for the Silent Organization. It's a nonprofit organization. It's an international bullying slash suicide prevention nonprofit. Um, They spread love and they teach about bullying and its effects because I didn't even get into bullying in this episode, but it was definitely something that triggered a lot of shame and a lot of depressive episodes for me in middle school and high school. Um, So their Instagram is sfts.org. If you want to follow that, I believe um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is also on Instagram. I, I think it's just AFSP, but let me see. Oh, okay. It's AFSP national. That's their Instagram. If you're interested in that, if you want to follow them. Um, but no matter, no matter what, um, I really suggest reaching out when you're like this way. I mean, there are so many hotlines and so many like texting places you can call text, reach out to someone like for free. And, Mm -hmm. um, there are also, if you look into it, there are affordable options for therapy. Like, um, I've heard better help is good talk space. Um, I'm not being sponsored by any of them. I don't personally use them, but I know people that do. I think it's just very, very, very important to talk to someone. We're going to include all of this in the episode description. So if you're feeling suicidal, please reach out to one of those hotlines. And if you just need someone to talk to about questions you have with bipolar disorder or anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. If you just need someone to say, I love you again, reach out to us individually on our podcast page, whatever you want to do here. I'm usually up at weird hours. So (laughs) I might be around at 3 a.m. Um, so we just want you to know that we love you guys. And uh, this is a, a topic that's near and dear to us. That sums it up. Okay. Should we talk about the demon? Yeah. Y'all, if you guys know me, I think I have talked about... What 
the heck? It's just playing on its own. That's really weird. So Montana and I draw presences to us like frigging moths to a flame. And I have definitely noticed something a little bit more demonic lately. Um, bruises, scratches, uh, waking up feeling like I'm choking, waking up at 3am gasping, my dog's like barking at something that's not there. So I'm not going to get into the whole of it because I want to do a whole episode on demonic presences and stuff. So I am going to play you guys something that, um, apparently I sent my friend I sent a normal voice memo, but she heard something entirely different, which was absolutely freaking terrifying. So let me go back to the moment. Ah, okay. You ready? Ready for the creepiness, Shoot. guys? Let's. I'm gonna play it for you guys. You should reverse it. I probably will. Okay, guys, so that's the creepy recording. Um, and I would be like, hey, just a weird technology thing, right? No. Um, it happened after I had t- two nights in one week where I actually thought intruders were in my home. Um, I, w- I went around the house with like a knife and mace because I was convinced I was going to find someone there, but nothing. And then a few days later, both of my friends got creepy voice memos for me in which I am talking to them like I'm talking to you now, but they came out in that creepy, staticky, slow-mo version. (laughs) Montana's hungry, me too. Um, And uh, yeah, but luckily I did a very powerful ritual. Uh, It's called the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. Uh, I followed the one by Damien Eccles. Um, It's my fave. And then I sealed all my mirrors with a sigil. Um, And I really haven't had that much happening since, although I'm still seeing a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, sulfuric smells, um, feeling my room drop, thinking intruders are in my home, along with the voice memos makes me think uh, probably demonic. Didn't you also like say Michael, like, Archangel Michael like twice, but then like the recording cut it out or something. Oh yeah. Um, Erica was telling me to call on my, on the Archangel Michael. Um, and the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram is actually calling on all the archangels. But a lot of the times I just call out to Michael for protection. So she wrote this, she sent me this whole voice memo apparently about Archangel Michael and none of it sent, none of that sent only five seconds of the voice memo sent where she was like, wow, that was like really weird. I don't know what that was. It definitely sounds creepy though. And then she's like, what the hell? Like I sent you like. Wait, does he, does he see the spider? Look. I don't know. I don't see anything. What is he looking at? I, he's looking this at is some... what scares me. 
when he does shit like this. I know. Guys, Grim is like staring at something mm-hmm. hardcore right now. This makes me very uncomfortable it's since we're spider. talking about demons. I don't know, girl. Bro, what are you looking at? I'm telling you, he always does shit like this. Why is he looking at it? Yep. So yeah, she sent me like a two minute long voicemail and only the last five seconds sent and all, everything about calling for protection and asking for the Archangel Michael to help me was cut completely out. So uh, I definitely think I attracted a demon. Well, you uh, can keep that demon to yourself. Yeah, and it's kind of a joke with Laura and I that like I'd fuck a hot demon, but uh, I, I'm kidding. I don't want to. And also I'm dating someone now, so. Oh, so that would stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Because you want to cheat for a demon, that's going to stop you. Is he hot? No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, so. Sorry, demons. Uh, you're going to leave me alone now because I did my sigils on the mirror. I did the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, saged my house, got sage spray. Uh, so, yeah, y'all can fuck right off. And uh, that's a good note for me to end. Stay tuned for more creepy stuff on my end. Anything you want to add, Montana? No demons. No demons. Even if you're hot. Yeah. I'm good with it all, guys. Like I said, we'll include um, everything. Please rate and review and subscribe. These things help our podcast grow. We would love to reach more audience members to spread messages like this. We are at Bitches Don't Brunch Podcast on Instagram. Montana is at M Big Sky. And I am at Spellbell Period Poet. I'm going to include everything we talked about. You smell that? Oh my god. Okay. I'm freaking myself out now. I watched The Conjuring a few nights ago and everything is scary. And it was terrifying. I screamed a lot. What do you smell? Like rotten eggs. Sulfur, yo. I know. I I said no demons, guys. I I said I'm not interested. Let's hope that's all it is. Okay, guys. Uh, Yeah, so like I said, we'll include everything, including the suicide prevention and crisis hotline and those organizations that I talked about in the descriptions. Please like comment if you want us to do a certain episode. I think next week we were going to talk about like sex and stuff. Are we? Is yeah. That, is that remember? our next topic? Remember, that's the second one that won when we did the polls. Was you like, just like talking about sex. I like talking. I, hey, my goddess is Venus. What can I say? She's all up in me. She's like, let's do it, girl. Let's do it. So She's all up in me. You can take that different ways. Mm, I mean, no, just kidding. I don't think of her like that. Okay. Sorry. Oh, my God. Anyway. Yeah, guys, uh, I think that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I know it was kind of more intense than we usually do, but uh, I'm really pleased with it. Spread the word. Spread the word, guys. Share our podcast. We love you. We're out.